Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. It is Tuesday, March 6, 2018. I'm Sam Rosenberg. I'm here to talk some Philadelphia 76ers. Thanks a lot for joining me. Oh, God, I tell you, just the day, I've not, I've not enjoyed my day so far. I'm in kind of a grumpy mood, a little cranky. Figure talking a little Sixers will probably bring me out of my funk. Um, so, listen, I, I think the last time we spoke, you know, I was pretty excited to see the Sixers pull off a couple of back-to-back wins, uh, beat up on the Charlotte Hornets. It was pleasurable to see them beat the Hornets, um, you know, especially because that was a game where the Hornets kind of got out in front of them and they had to, you know, they had to fight their way back. And typically, you know, this Sixer team, you know, if anything, their MO has been more of getting a big lead and then figuring out a way to blow the lead in the second half, as opposed to against this Hornets team where they were able, they were actually able to, um, you know, come out of a hole and, and come from behind and win. Um, however, the th- you know, as excited as I was to kind of see them beat a team like the Cavs and the Hornets, two te- you know, I mean, the Cavs are a playoff team. The Hornets are at least fighting to get into the playoffs. Then I see them lose against a team like the Bucks. Now, this Bucks game the other night was, uh, it was a game of runs. Um, both teams were going on runs. The Sixers had a 19-point lead, saw it dwindle away till about one or two points. Then they built a 20-point lead, and once again, they lost. They blew that entire lead and ended up losing the game by about eight points. And listen, eight points was close because they ended up going down by double digits in the fourth quarter as Giannis Antetokounmpo just proceeded to do whatever the hell he wanted against this Sixer team. This was another sort of shocking moment to me because all of the old habits kind of jumped out and really made themselves very apparent with this Sixer game. This was a nationally televised game. It was on ESPN. It went up against the Oscars, of all things. And this Sixers team, I mean, as impressive as it looked for them to be stroking the three, you know, uh, there was good ball movement. There was uh, open shots by Covington, open shots by Redick. But then you saw this this Bucks team really get underneath their skin. And very specifically, the turnovers and the passing lanes was what I think was their undoing. The Sixers were turning the ball over like it was going out of style. Some of them were just general sloppy turnovers, which has kind of become a little bit of, you know, a trademark of this Sixer team is as well as they play. And as, as strong as their defense can be, they still have a way of just kind of having sloppy turnovers. You know, cross-court passes that are just too high for the receiver. Uh, Full-court passes where they're trying to get a transition bucket and just the other guy, it's just a lazy pass and it goes out of bounds. Like, turnovers that you really gotta, you gotta cut down on those things. Those are not acceptable. Then you couple that with the Bucks. In the second half, the Bucks just got into the passing lanes, got into the passing lanes, got into the passing lanes. I can't tell you how many turnovers and steals were just completely attributed to the Bucks getting into the passing lanes, and it felt like the Sixers didn't really know how to respond. Um, there was a few moments where you know they would double team, and the Sixers didn't know how to bring help. They didn't know how to bring a second guy. Uh, you found Dario Saric sometimes having to make an entire play all by himself. I mean, this Bucks team really found a way to disrupt everything the Sixers were doing on offense and defense. And it did not help the fact that they were not able to slow down Giannis. You know, there have been other games where Giannis hasn't played against the Sixers. Um, there's been games where Giannis has been in the game, and they've done their best at really trying to clamp down on him. You know, Embiid getting up in his face. Uh, I think who were some of the other guys they threw at him? I think they threw Amir Johnson at him, but they were not able to stifle Giannis one bit. 
He did everything he possibly could have wanted to do against this team. Bledsoe killed this team as well. Uh, And really, a guy to really highlight is Jabari Parker. You know, a guy who has been a very, very highly touted, you know, high-ceiling player who's just had his entire career marred by injuries. Like, every step of whenever we see Jabari Parker really starting to shine, he gets another injury and he's sidelined. Well... He's back, and I don't know if he's back to 100%, but he looked like 150% against this Sixer team because he was stroking it from three. He was hitting open shots. They really kind of let him do what he wanted, and then when they tried to stop him, they couldn't stop him. He had a hot game, and, I mean, the proof is in the box score because he really pushed around this Sixer team, and uh, that was another sort of sore spot where they couldn't really contain this Bucks team when they clamped down on defense, and... um. You saw a guy like, uh, you know, Jared Bayless, who I've talked about, has has essentially kind of worked his way out of this rotation. I don't really think that's him so much as the uh, the personnel on the team. I think McConnell and Simmons are proving themselves to be more of a, a solid backcourt than Bayless, and I don't think Bayless is going to be on this team next year. So as they go into a playoff run, you know, you can understand a little bit more how um, – Brett Brown isn't thoroughly using him on uh, in that backcourt rotation. And also, uh, I think because partially you want to have more defense from that backcourt rotation, and Ben Simmons is a good defender. He's got the size to, and the, you know, to, to rotate, guard whatever point guard's on the floor. And I don't think you always get that from Bayless. I think Bayless hustles, but he's not the same defender as he is Simmons simply because of the size. And, you know... I saw Ben Simmons shooting some jump shots against this Bucks team. I mean, that's really that's mind-blowing in itself is now you're starting to see Ben Simmons go to the hoop and when he can't get all the way to the hoop, he's stepping back and he's taking a jumper. He wasn't hitting all of them, but he hit a couple of them. And you know what? The shot looked pretty nice. It's starting to look a little bit more fluid, starting to look a little bit more natural. And as you get into that world of Ben Simmons actually being able to hit a jump shot, you know, I think you start to really see that Bayless is kind of on the outside looking in and that he's not really in the future plans of this team. And Ilyasova is getting more minutes. Ilyasova has been playing great minutes. I mean, this is a serious veteran who's come to this team. How many times is he going to draw a charge? This guy is the tr- is the charge-drawing master, okay? Because I saw him do it several times against this Bucks team. You know, a couple of them he didn't get, but it didn't matter. I mean, he is just, he is letting his body take the brunt of some of those charges. And uh, listen, he might not get every call, but he's getting most of the calls. And when you rotate that in, along with his defense, his length, his uh, ability to rotate, his ability to shoot the three and knock down that shot, when you start to put Simmons and Embiid out there with Covington, Ilyasova, and Redick, now you get the defense you want, you get the shooting you want. And you get the length you want. And this team becomes a little bit more dangerous. But, again, you got to crack down on these turnovers. I mean, this Bucks game was... I mean, the Bucks really... They really exploited something here. Because this team... I mean, I think it was something like the Bucks went on a 27-5 to run in the second half. I mean, it was just absolutely mind-boggling to see the numbers that the Bucks put on them. And that's a playoff team. That's a team with a serious superstar who's going to really be challenging you in the playoffs. And if the Sixers can't be answering, at least from a coaching perspective in that game, this is a little scary. And and again, I think some of the fingers can be pointed at Brett Brown in this process because Brett Brown, I mean, listen, he's got to be able to make some coaching adjustments. And I don't even know who the hell's the interim coach for the Milwaukee Bucks right now. I mean, some guy, um, here, I'm looking it up right now. Who the hell's the interim coach? Oh, Joe Prunty. 
Prunty, Prunty, I don't, I don't know. Who, he's not going to be around next year. But, I mean, listen, I thought he did a pretty nice coaching job against the Sixers last night, especially because they had that turnaround in the second half. But Sixers are going up again tonight against the Charlotte Hornets again. Uh, this one's going to be in Charlotte. This is a win they've got to pick up. I know Charlotte was a team that kind of gave them a little bit of trouble a week ago, but they got to pull out this win. If they're going to be going into this playoff run the way we think they are, They've got to beat teams like Charlotte. They've got to beat teams like um, the Bucks. You know, I'm going to see the I'm going to see the Sixers this Thursday night in Miami play the Heat. You know, that's another playoff team they've got to pull out victories against. You know, they got you know they've got a couple of games against the the Brooklyn Nets, Memphis Grizzlies, you know, the New York Knicks. But hell, they've got two more games against the Charlotte Hornets before the season's over. But they're playing the Heat on Thursday. Next Tuesday, they're playing the Indiana Pacers. Um, they're going to be playing the Denver Nuggets. Uh, you know, they've got another game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. They've got another game against the Bucks. So they've got opportunities in there. The schedule is not, the schedule's fairly easy when you really think about it. I mean, they've got some real duds they're playing. They still got to play the Mavericks. They still got to play the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, there's some shit stained teams that they've got to go up against, but I think they found their rotation. I think they found their team. Um, but they've still got to. I still got to look to Brett Brown a little bit to cut down on those turnovers and to try to figure out a way to make adjustments in the second half. Because, I mean, there was a lack of adjustments in that second half against the Bucks team, and they continually tried to answer, and they still couldn't. Um, at this point in time, Markel Fultz keep him out of the rotation. I don't want to see him again this season. I think you can pretty much, you know, put him on the shelf till next year. And, uh, you know, I guess the last thing I'll leave off of, because I like to talk pure basketball, is this whole idea of LeBron James coming to the Sixers. I I know the guy bought the billboards in Cleveland telling LeBron to come. It's exciting that he's even entertaining the the idea of, of coming to the Philadelphia 76ers. But, you know, when you really boil it down, I don't think LeBron coming to the Sixers is a good idea. I think LeBron is the best player in the league. I think he's amazing. I think he's got, you know, definitely more gas left in the tank. But... I don't, LeBron is on the downswing, okay? As good as he is, you're just going to start seeing him get less and less effective over the next few years. And I know he dominates and runs this league, but I think the end is coming. You know, this is really the first season in a long time where I feel like I've seen his teams be mortal. And, you know, losing Kyrie Irving, you know, Kevin Love going down, seeing the role players who were championship role players a couple of seasons ago but are really non-factors right now, like Tristan Thompson and J.R. Smith, uh, it's it's really giving me, you know, I'm starting to see the cracks in the armor when it comes to LeBron. So bringing him to the Sixers and also pairing him with Ben Simmons doesn't sound like a good pairing. I don't think their games complement one another. I think LeBron and Embiid's games complement one another. I think Joel Embiid and LeBron would love to play together. But if LeBron comes to the Sixers, you've got to move Ben Simmons. And I don't really think that's the answer. And i got to be honest, I think Simmons and Embiid are the future, and I think LeBron is the past. And listen, you could bring LeBron in. He can make the team competitive for a year or two. You'll sell some jerseys. It'll be exciting. I would love to see LeBron play for the Sixers, but I don't think he wants to play for the Sixers. I don't think it's in the cards. I think there's multiple other franchises and teams he'd want to play for and have the scenario that he would want to come to. You know, I don't think... LeBron is going to want to share the spotlight with Embiid. 
You know, and that's going to be an icky situation the longer he's here. LeBron plays well with others to a point. And so, and honestly, I think Ben Simmons is a bit of a head case as well. Head case in a good way. Like, I think Simmons and Embiid are figuring out a way to work with one another. But, you know, give them four, five, six seasons, they might start getting on each other's nerves. And I think LeBron is a large enough personality to put in that locker room where sparks might be flying sooner than you think. And I bet you Ben Simmons and uh, LeBron James are not going to see eye to eye. I, that's just 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 knee jerk gut reaction of seeing these two guys play and seeing them interact with each other. I don't think the chemistry is there. And truthfully, I think uh, I think LeBron has a degree of pride enough that he's going to stick with Cleveland if they're able to make a legitimate playoff run, and Kobe Altman is able to retain some talent for this Cleveland team, I see LeBron coming back to Cleveland next year and just trying it all over again. It's got to be a really uncomfortable situation for him to leave Cleveland again. So that being said, you know, a lot of cap room and some young talent is not going to be enough to lure LeBron to Philadelphia. I just don't think that's the case. So I just wanted to poo-poo that right now just because that's my take on it. I don't think there's a lot to it. I think it's a lot of fluff and a lot of, you know, the NBA tries to make, they try to make something out of nothing. There's a lot of information to go around. The NBA news cycle is 24-7, 365 days a year now. That wasn't always the case. Now that it is the case, there's, you gotta, you gotta talk about something, even if there's nothing to talk about. Uh, Anyway. That's my take on the Sixers. I'm going to get my shit together, see if I can watch this Sixers-Hornets game. Hopefully they pull out a victory and stay in the playoff hunt. I The Sixers losing this game, I mean, they got to play better than that if they really want to be taken seriously. Uh, anyway, those are my thoughts on the matter. Thanks a lot for listening. You can subscribe to Sam Sports Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter at Smithface Jones. And of course, you can always email me with any trash talk or mailbag questions or just want to say hi or just, you know, give me some shit. Email me at samsportsstation at gmail.com. Uh, I'm going to go watch the game. I hope you're going to watch the game as well. Go Sixers. I'll be back next week um, and uh, talk more b-ball. And uh, let's see how the playoff picture shakes out over the next six, seven days. Enjoy the games, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.